Welcome to the Awakened Midwife podcast, where free-thinking women come to be enlightened, intrigued, and entertained. I'm your host, Alice Giltrow. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Awakened Midwife podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the inner journey of pregnancy and birth, and why we, as women, need to stop asking for permission and just get on with it and do what we want. But first off, I'm going to read you a story. It's about cats. And no, I've not gone insane. I know that this is not a podcast about cats, but it really relates to how cats give birth and therefore how women give birth. Now, there's been these sorts of stories floating around the internet for a long time, so you might be thinking, oh, this isn't for me. But I can nearly guarantee that unless you have um, read some specific literature and this specific person's experience and thoughts on this issue, you probably haven't heard this version. Now, I did not write this. So it was from the book, Out of the Laboratory, Back into the Darkened Room by Tricia Anderson. It's from Birthings in the winter of 2004. So get comfy, my darlings, and listen. Everyone knows that cats need to give birth undisturbed in a dark, secluded place perhaps preparing a softly lined box in the darkest corner of the furthest room underneath the bed. And everyone who knows about cats understands that you must never disturb a cat in labour or a newly delivered cat and her litter of kittens. Otherwise, the cat's labour will stop or she may reject her kittens. Everyone who knows cats knows this. But just imagine that one day, quite a long time ago, a group of well-meaning scientists decided that they wanted to study how cats give birth. So they asked anyone who had a cat that when she was in labour, they bring them to their laboratory, a brightly lit, noisy, modern scientific laboratory where scientists could study them by attaching lots of monitors and probes, surrounding them with strange technicians constantly coming in and out with clipboards, In the laboratory, the labouring cats could hear the sounds of other cats in distress. And there were no private dark corners for them to retreat to, but only rows of brightly lit cages under constant scrutiny of the scientists. The scientists studied the labouring cats in their brightly lit cages for many years and saw that the labours were erratic, how they slowed down and even stopped and how heartbreakingly distressed the cats were. Their meows and cries were terrible. They saw how many of the kittens were deprived of oxygen and were born shocked and needing resuscitation. And after many years, the scientists concluded, well, it seems that cats do not labor very well at all. Then, because the scientists were caring people and wanted to help the poor cats, they invented lots of clever machines to improve the cats' labours, to monitor the oxygen levels in the kittens. They invented pain-killing drugs and tranquilizers to ease the poor cats' distress, and drugs to make the labour even more regular and to stop it slowing down. They even developed clever emergency operations to save the distressed kittens' lives. The scientists wrote scientific papers which told everyone about the difficulties they had observed 
and how cats do not give birth very well. And above all, about the clever feline birth technology that they had invented. The newspaper and television spread the word and soon everyone started bringing their cats to the laboratory in labour because of all the clever feline technology and of how many kittens' lives they had saved. Looking around at all the complicated technology, people were heard to say, this must be the safest place in the world for cats to give birth in. Years passed and the workload of the scientists' laboratories grew busier and busier. They had to take on new staff and train them in their feline labour techniques. And slowly, the original scientists grew old and retired. But sadly, the new up-and-coming technicians didn't know about the original experiment. They didn't even know it was an experiment. They had never seen cats giving birth in softly lined boxes in the furthest, darkest corner of the furthest room in the house. Why? What a dangerous idea. They were absolutely convinced that cats do not give birth very well without a lot of technical assistance. Why? Think of all the years of scientific evidence they have collected. And then they would go home at night feeling very pleased with themselves for all their clever and good ideas and good work in saving cats and kittens lives. Sadly, most of the midwives and doctors working today have trained and worked most of their lives in the laboratory. And in that laboratory, which of course is a modern consultant maternity unit, childbirth is a mess. And this day and age of evidence-based practice, we talk so much of the importance of evaluating every intervention And yet no one is saying that we desperately need to evaluate the biggest intervention of them all. Asking women in labour to get into their cars and drive to a very large hospital where they are cared for by strangers. Hmm. So, I remember the first time I read that. I was a student midwife and I had just been at some really horrific births and to be honest I was known as the the shit magnet (laughs) it wasn't that I attracted these shit situations I don't think but I think that I was just you know in the the place at the time and yeah so it was within a couple of months span of time that I saw some really rare complications that um, other midwives might go decades of their career never seeing. But it was this really big awakening journey because what I had learned at university versus what I was seeing in this hospital were so very different. And then the experiences of some of my friends who had chosen not to engage with the system, so the ones that had chosen to home birth, they didn't have these levels of craziness in their birth and then the I guess the literature about home birth at the time was a little bit scarce but was still saying that you know that there was less intervention and therefore less of these complications and now when I say about complications I'm not just talking about you know cesarean section I'm talking cord prolapse I'm talking uterine rupture um, significant PPH which is postpartum hemorrhage um, placenta abruption 
I saw some absolutely crazy stuff all in a very short span of time. Um, and it was really, really difficult. So one of my mentors, she was not a midwife at the time, but she lent me this book called 10 Moons and it's by Jane Hardwick Collings. And it was my first introduction to another voice that was kind of thinking like me of why the F is this so wrong? (laughs) What, What have we done? What, like, if birth is meant to be really safe in these environments, how come it's turning into a shit show 80% of the time. (laughs) And why is it so rare for a woman who is low risk to come into a hospital and to therefore end her labor low risk? Why is that like rare as hen's teeth? Why is it that the majority of women have at least one intervention in their labor? And I don't mean just the intervention of leaving their home, but one other. Why why is that? And yeah, it was pretty startling. So I've had some big, obviously, life changes after that, right? And I think the biggest one really is when I stopped being the good girl and I stopped living that, oh, woe me, you know, these things happen to me. I must ask for permission to do X, Y, Z. But I stepped out of that victim consciousness of things are happening to me rather than stepping into, I have chosen this and this is my um, empowered and knowledge-based informed choice. And when I really just stopped asking for permission, things started going a lot better in my life and uh, particularly in my births. Now, I want to say quickly here that I don't actually kind of personally blame the midwives and the doctors in these hospitals. They have been indoctrinated, just like I was, through university and then through years of practice to think that birth is unsafe in any other environment other than a hospital. And quite frankly, even in hospital, it's really dangerous and women just don't birth well. And if I had not had these people around me during my training um, and then during my subsequent years after training reminding me and showing me that birth does work and that potentially maybe it doesn't work in the way that it's happening in the hospital and maybe that's the problem then I would have a very different view right now too I would be thinking um, and I did think for a little while particularly before I did midwifery that if you birthed outside of a hospital you were an absolute nut job like did you want your baby to die? Like that was, I couldn't understand that. But yes, so I don't blame the midwives and the doctors and the people that are really indoctrinated into this because they have never seen anything differently. They have never seen birth unfold in a truly physiological way. And what I mean by physiological is not natural birth. I'm not meaning that a baby, um, you know, that a woman labors and she gets to move around and she gets to have a shower and, you know, we're not stopping her from choosing her position and then she births her baby in the hospital under bright lights with strangers around and strange noises and strange voices and strange smells um, or that she has a cannula or all these other things. 
these are the things that that midwives in the system who are pretending that they are for women and that they understand these things that home birth is safe and blah 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 that they're posting on social media um a really big midwifery firm just this week um posted some pictures of a woman after she'd given birth and i'm assuming with her consent um and they were saying that yes you can have a physiological birth in hospital and i just saw red flags at that first sentence but then when i looked at the pictures this beautiful mama had a cannula in her arm and there were signs that she had had monitoring of her baby's heartbeat and um that she had ctg monitoring um i'm not sure if she definitely did but the machine was there and there was lots of other things and it just like that's not physiological birth and i want to be really firm here because it's not that i think that that's wrong that she chose that or all of those things and it's not that i am so you know thankful for her that she got an experience that she potentially wanted i don't know the woman so i can't really claim to know that i hope that she feels satisfied with her birth experience and her care provider's support but when we are throwing around things and phrases like this is physiological birth in the hospital that's like saying this is a dog when it's actually a cat because physiologically means when our labors and birth can unfold completely in uniformity with our hormones with our body's own processes and with our old brain now i'm not sure if i've talked on this podcast about the old brain and the new brain before um sometimes it's called the reptilian brain um there's lots of different things that people describe it and it just really depends on which kind of um theory you're going off but or it could be subconscious and ups and um unconscious brain if that makes sense conscious and subconscious brain gosh but physiological birth means that all of those processes must be in alignment for the bodies to labor well just like a cat in that dark corner right when we are interrupted when we ask questions when we're put in a car and driven to a hospital and when we have to get out and we have to make sure we have clothes on and all while in labor all while our body is trying to open and orgasmically birth our babies like it doesn't make sense we wouldn't do that to a cat and we wouldn't do that to a dog or we wouldn't do that to a horse or a cow or an aardvark or an elephant so why do we do that to women why do we expect the vast majority of women to get in a car in labor arrive or travel to a hospital arrive there get out answer lots of questions fill out forms have things poked in them and be prodded and monitored be asked to put on a gown sometimes and the women feel they have to ask to use the toilet or the shower or to change positions or to get in the pool or to have some water or food this is not normal and then we wonder why our births don't unfold as they you know do in the animal kingdom it's because we're not allowing them to be wild we all know anyone that knows anything about animals 
Um, for those that don't know, I grew up on a farm and I saw lots of animals giving birth all the time. And uh, veterinarians will talk about this all the time, right? If you leave an animal be, give them space, quiet, um, sometimes reassurance from their other friendly animals, like some animals actually do give birth better together, like elephants, they need their sisters. But others don't, others want to be quiet and alone. So when we can support them in their needs by watching how they birth in the wild, not taking them to a laboratory, we learn more. But you see, we've kind of lost all this knowledge about how birth was in the wild for women. Now, that moves me on to the next part that I wanted to talk about. And it's why I really believe we need to stop asking for permission as women to do whatever the fuck we want and just do it. So the biggest one for me really is when people say, I'm planning a home birth or I want to have a home birth and I've got this midwife that I found, but I don't like her and I just don't really have a connection and she's just strange and I don't know how to talk to her and, you know, yeah, we we just don't seem to be in alignment and I'll say to them, oh, I know, I'm so sorry that that's happened. Um, Can you find someone else? And they'll say, no, I don't have another choice. I've already paid this woman all this money or this man. And I'll say, oh, you know, that's that's a real shame. What about other support people? Like if they're saying that there's no other midwife in the area. And I'm like, well, what about a doula? What about what other options do you have? And they often keep saying, I have no choice. And I want to just directly address this right now. You always have a choice. And what you're saying here is that I'm choosing to stay with a care provider who I feel unsafe with, who makes me feel uncomfortable, who I'm really not liking, even personality-wise, let alone for my labour and birth, because I would rather have the false sense of security of having this person there, even though subconsciously having someone there who I don't trust and don't feel safe with is hindering to the birth process then stepping up and going you know what you're not right for me so I'm going to say adios amigos to you and I'm going to call in my perfect birth team and so when we do what we want (laughs) rather than asking for permission then we get what we want but if we ask for permission for every little fucking thing if we want to um, stomp our feet and you know, rage at the world for how unfair it is because I need to ask permission or they're taking this away from me, then that's where I just think we've gone a little bit wrong. And on that note, I wanted to explain what I mean by that. So um, let's say (laughs) um, in my local community here, there is no publicly funded home birth. That means that there is no way that the government is paying for your home birth in Um, my local area so it's all self-funded that means that women are if they're choosing to hire a private midwife they're paying between five and ten thousand dollars out of pocket sometimes if they have private health they might get like a thousand bucks from them Um, medicare may or may not give some money back for antenatal care but they don't give anything for the birth and so because of that some people say that it's stopping women from choosing home birth 
And I get it, obviously, that financial burden is huge. It's one of the main reasons that I didn't hire someone this time with my pregnancy because I had decided unless someone was a a good fit for me, unless I felt safe, comfortable, and really liked this person, I wasn't going to have them in my birth space. And I sure as heck wasn't going to pay them seven to $10,000 just, you know, for the pleasure. (laughs) Um, But throughout this last kind of couple of years, people have really been kicking up a stink about it. Um, To good effect, I understand that, you know, people don't want to go to a hospital where sick people are in the middle of a pandemic. It doesn't make sense, right? If you're a well woman expecting a well pregnancy and a, a well healthy baby, why would you go to somewhere that has huge levels of sickness and illness and and put yourself and your baby through that risk. And I know that some people would willingly choose that. That's fine. You do you, boo. But for lots of women, it didn't make sense to them. And so they have chosen home birth. But because there's no publicly funded or free home birth options here, people wanted to rally and they wanted to, you know, ask for permission to home birth and figure out a way for the government to pay for it, basically. And I mean, I'm all for, um, you know, affordable healthcare and affordable support. And if that means publicly funded, awesome. But instead of these women saying, I have no choice but to birth in the hospital because you won't, you know, fund my home birth. I say, no, no, that's, you know, you are choosing that. And we need to stop asking for permission. If you want to have a home birth, but you can't afford it, you find a way to afford it. And if you can't find a way to physically pay this person money, maybe you offer other services. Maybe you are, you know, a stay-at-home mum and you're able to um, offer childcare for this midwife. Well, quite frankly, childcare is incredibly hard to get as a midwife. It's one of the main reasons I don't attend births. I can't find reliable after-hours care, right? So maybe that's one way that you can swap services for your birth. Or maybe you're a farmer and you could swap, um, you know, farm goods for your birth. Or maybe you go, you know what, why am I going to pay this person $10,000 when I want a physiological birth, when I'm going to say no to all of these things that they can do for me, that they can routinely offer, and yeah, like, does that really align with my birth wishes? Perhaps I'm seeking a different level of care. And for some women, they will always want to have the option of all the bells and whistles there if need be. And I'm certainly not saying that women shouldn't have support at their births. Absolutely not. But when we ask for permission, we are handing over our power. When we're saying, please, sir, please pay for my home birth, we're saying that that we don't have the power. But when we do what the F we want, we take it back. Now, this might be um, another relatable story. It might be if you are planning a vaginal birth for this baby and you've had a previous cesarean section. So you've had, you're wanting a VBAC, which is vaginal birth after cesarean. And maybe your local hospital has stopped VBAC for some ridiculous reasons. They do it sometimes. Or they're just not supportive 
for some reason. Maybe they're saying it hasn't been long enough between your Caesars or, you know, you're too thin, you're too fat, you're too old, you're too young, whatever it is. Instead of fighting and fighting and fighting, perhaps your other option is going, all right, (laughs) you do you, boo. You're telling me I can't do it and you want to book me a Caesar, but I'm not showing up for that. (laughs) And I'm going to rock up in labor and I'm going to come and come to my appointments and checkups and, you know, things that I want to do and that feel right and in alignment for me and my baby. Um, And yeah, I'll see you when I'm in labor, when I'm pushing out my baby. But also know that if you do that, if you rock up to an institution who won't support your birth choices, you probably will be harassed into doing what they want. So it's a really complex thing, of course, but yeah, I've seen just so much lately of these comments um, online of people saying that they're not allowed, you know, my doctor won't allow me to eat food in labor please help what what can I do to stay you know um to keep my energy up they're saying that I can't eat anything because I'm a first-time mom and I'm in labor now this is an actual reality even in parts of Australia they still say this they still starve women um some places don't even let them have water in labor happens a lot in America but it is still happening here um and (laughs) often there will be a few people that say, just sneak food. Like your husband will have to eat, right? So just eat. Tell them that you want to have sex with your husband <laughs> and they'll leave the room. <laughs> or, you know, these sorts of things to get the people out of the way and eat. Or others say, what are they going to do if you just pick up a Subway sandwich and you start eating it in front of them? What are they going to do? What are they going to do? Are they going to pull it out of your mouth? Are they going to put their fingers down your throat and make you vomit? Probably not. So you just do it. Now, I want to finish off today's episode by talking about what happens in our brain, our mind, and our body when we're pregnant and giving birth. So as you probably know by now, if you've listened to my other content or you've done my courses or you follow me on social media, tip, I share heaps of goodies over there on Instagram and Facebook. You'll know that birth is an involuntary process of our body. It's a function of our old brain, of our subconscious, of our reptilian brain. It's an event, an experience that happens automatically at a time determined kind of by the collaboration between your body and your baby together. It's a process that the female body is built for. Every cell in your body knows its role through this journey. During pregnancy, there's changes to how your body works. Your blood vessels open to accommodate the extra blood that your body will make, which is at least 50% extra. And your blood pressure lowers to handle this excess load. You don't need to think about this happening. You might not even notice it. It all happens without our conscious thought. So this is in our reptilian um, subconscious old brain. The hormonal changes that happen to maintain a pregnancy alter the way our nervous system works. It gives priority to the parasympathetic nervous system um, and the right hemisphere of the brain. So this change affects how you think and what you think about. I just think about that. 
So our bodies literally know when we're pregnant that we need to think about different things and we need to think differently about what we're thinking about. It's incredible. So in our brain, we have the left and right hemisphere. So the right hemisphere is the more holistic, feeling, creative, big picture, non-rational, metaphoric, intuitive, feminine side. It holds the memories of our own birth and of our early imprinting. Super, super interesting. So everything I'm saying now is reference and I will read off the references after this. So our um, predetermined idea here for our body is not to think logically, rationally or with single focus on out there issues and concepts, the style of the masculine or left brain. When we're pregnant and when we're mothering and birthing, our kind of brain takes over for us to be soft, inwardly focused, feeling everything, opening, growing, expanding. During pregnancy, there is a gradual abandonment of rational control, allowing the emergence of conscious and subconscious emotions. As this happens, you may feel vulnerable and hidden fears emerge. So this is literally why during pregnancy, all of our shit comes up, particularly if it's your first pregnancy. All of your baggage from your childhood, your mother wound, your father wound, um, any abandonment you've had, sexual assault kind of um, history and anything like that, it will all surface in your pregnancy. And if you don't deal with it, then you will be forced to deal with it in your birth. If for some reason that path is overrided, like you have a cesarean section and you don't go into labor, you'll be dealing with it alongside dealing with a newborn baby. And I, for one, think that this is one of the highest reasons for postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety and all of these things and mental health issues after you have a baby other than when we are abused in the obstetrical hierarchical system. So all of this is the practice and preparation for the pathway to birth where the opening process happens, both literally and physically. Your body is opening and allowing more space for you to expand physically to birth your baby and emotionally to have the emotional capacity to have patience, calmness, and all these motherhood and fatherhood, but particularly mothers, characteristics to deal with parenting. This internal expose, this becoming aware of and bringing consciousness to our inner fears and insecurities is an important part of the opportunity that pregnancy and birth offers the mother. Not only are we growing a baby, you are growing, developing and fine-tuning yourself. Your emotions, thoughts and physical symptoms are messages from your subconscious about the issues you need to deal with and the life lessons you need to learn because that is the way of life, adaption and evolution. This process is different during each pregnancy and builds on itself. Each pregnancy, as if a gift from the baby inside, holds new personal development for the mother as she learns and grows to be the perfect mother for her children, the one they came for. Now, I wrote that a long time ago um, when I was actually writing my first course that I um, changed so much that I didn't even publish. And I'm taking snippets from that course and my learnings in the five years since and writing a mini course. Now I'm calling it a mini course, not because it doesn't 
have a big topic or is it going to be life-changing and life-affirming for many of you, but because it's going to be really easily digestible. Um, I haven't named it yet, but it is my manifestation and inner workings course. It's for anyone who is, uh, maybe you're pregnant and maybe you have the birth knowledge that I go through in the Ultimate Guide to Birthing and Power. Maybe you've already done that course. Um, maybe you're a midwife or a birth worker yourself, so you don't really need the nitty gritty of how our bodies open, expand, how our hormones work, healthy eating, all of that stuff. But maybe you want to know more about up-leveling your life. Maybe you're not even pregnant, maybe you're finished having babies, but you hear me talk about these things and you just think, wow, like, I want to know how to manifest more money. Thank you so much. Um, and I go through literal ways that we can do this. So it's not just about money. It's not just about birth, but I do focus on sex, money, and birth because they are the big taboo topics that people don't want to talk about getting more of or having better or, um, you know, expanding and up-leveling. And I think it's really common for people to say that they're going to manifest, you know, a healthy relationship or a healthy thoughts, processes around food. Like we as humans make things difficult when it doesn't need to be. And that is never more so true when we are manifesting and doing all of this deep, hard inner work stuff with all these fears that come up in a pregnancy and all of these things, the subconscious kind of upheaval that goes on then when we are pregnant and when we are a new mother or, you know, maybe an experienced mother who just has kind of buried this stuff. But also when we're dealing with money, people get very uncomfortable when I talk about that there is an endless supply of money in the universe and money is energy, energy is everywhere, energy is everything. And birth is energy too. It's energy moving through our bodies. So I'm um, giving you all a little taster here of what is going to be inside the course. Um, at the moment, it's looking like it will be two videos of about an hour long, and it will be two guided meditations and audios, and then it will be some worksheets and some things to help guide you and some downloads that you can print off and look at and, you know add to yourself and that's it so I want it to be easy for you to do so all up it would be maybe two hours of video um two ish hours of audio maybe less I'm not sure yet I haven't actually done the audio part um yeah and I don't want this to be something you uh, purchase and you start and you never finish so I want it to be you start this and you finish it this week and you implement these things and you have abundance in your life by next week. You do the work, you do these steps, you follow these exact steps of how I manifested, literally me, my ideal birth, how I said, I fuck you to the system and to all of these things and manifested what I wanted, how I have managed to double our family's income, literally just thinking, about that that's what we needed, asking for it and going through all these steps um, in a short period of time, literally, I think once I really committed to it, probably about three days, 
um, that happened for us and how we've managed to save a lot of money in a short period of time by saying yes, being open and yeah, having it. But I will say that it's, it is simple. It is ridiculously simple and you have already become an amazing manifester. You have manifested everything in your life up until this point. You just maybe need to know how to target those skills um, and this inner working to get what you really want. So yeah, that's what the course is all about. Um, And I'm hoping to actually finish it really soon. I've been kind of having more insights about what I wanted to add this last week. So I've been sitting with it rather than busily writing and recording. Um, And I will be sure to do a podcast dedicated specifically on that soon. But in the meantime, if you want um, early access, please private message me either on Facebook or Instagram. You can send me an email at the Awakened Midwife. Um, I will put my email address and all the contact details in the show notes. And yeah, early access is open now and is at a reduced rate. It's 20% off. Um, and yes, I'm so looking forward to this. I'm literally going through all these steps again myself I've been asking for this really big thing and um yeah I finally committed to that over the weekend so very very exciting times ahead for me too anyway my darlings I will leave you be but yes you are amazing you are are doing amazing things if you are a mother already now know that you are the perfect mother for your children even if there is no perfect mother You are theirs and they have chosen you for this reason. You are magnificent. You are going to have a beautiful day and I love, guide and respect you. Now here is the reference list, my loves. So the first reference that I um, equated to with how our bodies work and open in birth is from About Physiology in Pregnancy and Childbirth. It's a book by Vera Schmid Midwife from Florence, Italy. The next is From Magical Child to Magical Teen by Joseph Clinton Pierce. And he was speaking about um, the different parts of our brain. And then... Um, from another book called About Physiology in Pregnancy and Childbirth. So you can find all of that information that I shared with you about how our bodies open to birth our babies, how our different parts of our brains work to enable that process, and how we as women think differently. And in those books, they um, also reference a lot of other scientific journals. But if I reference all of them in every podcast, it'd be like five hours long and no one wants to listen to that. So have a beautiful day, my darlings, and remember that you've got this. You are magnificent, and I love you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening, dear ones. Remember to check out the show notes for links to all of my social media and to my link tree where you can find all my offerings, including some sneaky freebies. So go check that out. Remember to like and subscribe so that you can keep up to date with all my new episodes. Have a beautiful evening or morning, whatever it may be. All my love.